Hey folks, welcome to the Adventure Sports Podcast. Today's episode is... Uh, it's really cool. We're exploring free diving. This is almost like, you know, what the show got started with was exploring new adventure sports. Now we, we tell a lot of stories through adventure sports, but Alexander is going to take us into the world of free diving and what's so addicting about it. It, it reminded me of climbing, the culture around it when researching this, because uh, folks that do this really get into it. It's kind of like climbing where people just sell everything and they do anything they can to climb. It's like a drug almost. And Alexander is going to tell us all about how he got into it, what the sensations are like when you're down there, uh, literally free diving for either a record. He has a world record at 85 meters. I think that's for I'm not sure exactly what the parameter of that record was, but I know he has some records. Maybe that's the Swedish record. But also, he's going to talk about some of the practical applications of free diving, where you can uh, literally just hold your breath a really long amount of time and, and go exploring the bottom of the ocean, whether that's in reefs or just shallower areas where you don't have to have any equipment. It's really neat. So I hope you enjoy. I hope you learn as much as I did. And uh, you never know. Maybe this is something I don't know if I'm ever going to do this. I'm kind of terrified of, of deep water, but... It's getting better living at the ocean, but maybe this is in our future. I know Alexander never thought it would be in his life, but uh, here we are. He now now it's his biggest passion. That's kind of how it works. Adventure sports kind of have a way of biting you and never letting go. Let's put it that way. So, all right, let's go ahead and jump in. All right, folks, we are talking about something new for me. I'm trying to think of the previous hosts ever did this. I don't think we've ever talked about this specifically. I know it's been mentioned in passing, but free diving with a record holder here, Alexander Nilsson. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Mason. And it's great to be here. And I'm so happy to be able to talk to you about my my passion. You know, I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm excited too, because it, you, you can really sense when someone is very, very passionate about something. You know, there's a lot of people on the show that have lots of different interests, and I'm sure you do too, but you can definitely tell this is a big part of your life. So with someone that knows that much about it and devotes that much time to it, I'm really excited to talk. But before we get started, I always ask this first, where are you coming from? Where is home for you? So home for me is, what. first of all, where I come from. I come from Sweden. I grew up in the capital. So I grew up in, in Stockholm in Sweden. So I grew up really far away from the water. You know, in the winter, we don't really spend any time in the water. And I kind of only spend time in the water during the holidays. Uh, so I come from Stockholm. When I was 19 or 20, I started traveling. So since I was 19 or 20, I've been living abroad. You know, I'm 31 right now. So I lived abroad from that age. So I kind of right, right now, I don't really have a place that I really feel I can call home. But yeah, for, for the question of where I grew up, like, yeah, it's Sweden, and that's where I am right now as well. I'm teaching freediving, and i just happy and feel really privileged to be able to, to just teach other people this really beautiful sport. That's where I am right now. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, you know, you say... You didn't swim much. I know there's a lot of water around Stockholm, at least, uh, but but it's cold. What did you grow up doing? What what were kind of the activities? Because I know you didn't discover free diving or start free diving until 2016, which, you know, you're in your mid to late 20s at that point, mid 20s. What were you doing up until that point? Was it any any other sort of sport? What was your passions then? 
yeah, so I grew up in this family where my father was a soccer team, you know, soccer coach, and um, grew up doing all different kind of sports, soccer, banji, and so on. But I was always kind of like mediocre in this kind of sports. <laughs> uh, but I would say that I had an upbringing with a lot of sports around me. Uh, so that, of course, helped me later in life when I stumbled upon freediving. So from my whole upbringing until the time when I discovered freediving, I was just out playing around, doing all kinds of sports and being very, very active. And like you said, like Sweden, of course, we're surrounded, Stockholm especially, we're surrounded by 14 islands, a lot of water around, but the water's really cold, uh, like eight or nine months of the year. So we have the swimming pools, but I always, I've never really been a fan of swimming pools, you know, the chlorine, or, and I never really liked it, you know. I was always drawn to the ocean, you know, and to be close to nature. And uh, that's what really was alluring to me when I when I found free diving. You know, like like I said, I was like mid late twenties when I when I discovered the sports. And like many of you listeners know, there's not a lot of sports where you can start that late in life and still mm-hmm. become the best in your country. Be able to be really good at a sport. Freediving is one of those few sports where you actually get better with age. We have a lot of freedivers, professional freedivers, who actually break records when they're up to their 50s. Uh, we had the best freediver in the world, Natalia Molsonova, who suddenly passed away a few years back. And uh, she broke most of her records when she was 50 and over 50. Is that just due to lung capacity and also maybe uh, technique, but also it's not very hard on your body or on your joints in the sense of pounding pavement or pounding on the on, on the ligaments and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Mason. So it's like, so freediving is very different from all other kind of extreme sports. You know, other extreme sports, like when you go downhill skiing, for example, you build up adrenaline and you perform mm-hmm. better when you have a lot of adrenaline in your body. And freediving, you have the opposite. So we want to have as little adrenaline as possible and we want to be as calm as possible. And with age, usually you get calmer. And also metabolic rate is changing when you get older. And all these physiological factors have a big influence on freediving. So freediving is all about being able to stay calm in a stressful situation. So if you're able to stay calm down there at depths of like 80 or 100 meters, you can, there's like endless of opportunities when it comes to freediving. It doesn't really matter if, if you're like overweight or if you have a bad cardio or if you're a smoker for that matter. It's all about if you're able to stay calm in this situation. But that's what also the, was one of the things that really draw my attention to freediving that I really loved. You know, where it's so mental. We usually say it's like 90% mental and 10% physical freediving. And um, like with a lot of different sports, it's similar, but 
not to the same extent. It was like, you know, when I when I go to freediving competition, I get <laughs> I still get surprised when I see a lot of other competitors, and I, you know, I see that they're probably in the, they're not in the, their best physical shape, but they can still dive to hundred meters, and it's incredible to see. It's a very forgiving sport in that matter. That's really inc- it's almost it sounds like yoga the way you're describing it in the sense of being as calm as possible, being as as relaxed as possible. So, so but you say you have to stay that way or you're not going to perform well. What what are some of the and by the way, I don't know if we defined free diving, but free diving is diving depths or 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 exploring underwater uh, with, without any equipment or without without scuba gear, or without pressurized air, you can still snorkel and free dive. It sounds like I was looking at your Instagram and you were exploring. Or is free diving only diving down and coming back up, going as far as you can? So the definition of free diving, you could say, is everything you do underwater on a breath hold. Okay. And that's free diving. Doesn't matter if you go down one meter or half a meter or one hundred meters. Everything you do on a breath hold under the water. That's free diving. Whether that's breaking a record or exploring the bottom of the ocean in a coral reef or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, there's so many different interests. You know, when it comes to free diving, a lot of most people, of course, they don't go to free diving competitions, and that's not the reason why they like to free dive. Most people they do it for reasons of like they take they love taking underwater photos, and they're free diving perfect way to come close to underwater creatures or they just love like you said exploring underwater looking at rocks and you know having the quiet and peaceful time on the water and then there are a few of these crazy people that loves to go to freediving competitions and dive to really deep depths and, <laughs> and those are just a very very few amount of people what got you into it Tell us about because the 2016. What did you see? What did you discover? And and why why do you think it hooked you so much? Tell tell us about that. Yeah, so I was um, I was kind of aimless during that time. I had just finished uh, studies and I ended up doing something I didn't like. And I saw all of my friends went into the corporate world and they just were okay with the situation and they were like, okay, let's just <laughs> suffer it through and they get the paycheck. And I wanted to do something different and I never really liked this life in Sweden that I was living at that point in time. So I decided when I was 21, I think I was, I went out to travel. So I went to Southeast Asia and there... I went traveling for the next five years, just wow. solo traveling for wow, yeah, for the entire time around Southeast Asia first and around Europe, and um, I went back to Thailand then when I was twenty five or twenty six, and uh, I remember I saw this sign where it said like, "We teach you how to dive to twenty meters on one breath," and I had. I had a recollection when I was younger that I saw this movie, The Big Blue, Le Grand Bleu, as one old movie from, I think, late 70s of about freediving. And um, I remember this movie and I really found it so poetic. And I really, I've always been drawn to the depth in a sense, you know, since when I was a kid, 
I remember that I was in, we had a boat in my summer cottage place, my family's summer cottage place, and me and my father used to go out on this boat when I was say, like five or six years old, and then I, was, I would be sitting in front of the boat and I would ask my father all the time, how deep is it here, how deep is it here, how deep is it here, you know, being this annoying kid asking his question. And then I always found it very fascinating uh, with the depths, you know, I always wanted to know what it was down there. And I, I already, at that point when I was a very young kid, understood there was another world down there and I wanted to explore it. But it wasn't until when I was traveling there, when I was 25 years old, and I saw this sign, and I was like, okay, I should do this course and see what happens. And the first day of the course, I couldn't equalize. You know, when you have to equalize your ears to get down, I had big trouble problems with just going down a few meters. And then the second day, everything just opened up, and I was able to just play around in the water. And from that day on, I just wanted to get back to the water. It was kind of like this passion and this love in my body that always reminded me when I wasn't in the in the water, I was always missing the water. And uh, I asked my freediving instructor, which was a really great freediving instructor to have uh, in the beginning course. And she she was telling me like, you should come and do the second course because there it will explore something which is called free fall. And I asked her, of course, well, what is the free fall? And she told me that that's when you're sinking down as a rock. And it happens from around 15 meters. And then I went home. The first thing I did was to look at videos of people free falling. And it's when I saw that, that's when I knew this is something that I have to explore. So. I went back to Sweden. I was back home doing different jobs, some odd jobs and so on, just collecting money to go back, uh, to go back there, you know, to go back to Thailand. And I decided to devote four months of my life there and just see what happens. And uh, of course, I had no clue that this is going to be the next, you know, f- part of my life just to spend underwater but I just went there for four months and um, just diving I did nothing else than sleep and dive and uh, I explored this free fall and uh, and from there on I just decided okay I just want to continue free falling don't I don't care how deep I get I just how many seconds I can continue free falling because the feeling was something which is hard, hard to explain. Um, feels like flying. You know, you come from when you're floating on the surface, you're positively buoyant, and then you go down to around 10 meters, there you are around, um, we call it neutral buoyancy. You continue deeper to around 15 meters. There, from there on, you start to feel that the, the bottom is dragging you down. That's how it feels like. Because you don't have to do anything. You don't have to kick with your fins. You don't have to pull on the rope. You just, you can just relax and you sink. And then you sink faster and faster. And during this time, you're in the water and the, the pressure is increasing. 
and you're coming further and further away from the surface, of course. And there you just have to switch off. And when you're in this state of mind and when you're in this kind of environment in the ocean, you get you get you go just go deeper and deeper. 20 meters, 30 meters, 40 meters, and you just see how it gets darker and darker for every meter. And you know it gets colder and colder. You're just down there by yourself as well, because a lot of people think that you're diving with other safety divers, but you're by yourself down there. And uh, exploring these sensations is what hooked me. You know, it was never about numbers or break records. This is something which came, of course, with the exploration of the free fall and uh, you know the depth. But my aim was always just to increase this this feeling of the free fall, which is something that I've never explored before. Do Do you think that any sort of encompassing sport or adventure sport could have been that for you? Or do you think it was specifically freediving? Like, say, if rock climbing would have come across during this time you were searching or something to do with another sport or, do you, you know, something even equally as extreme, I guess. Or do you think it was something specific about freediving that, that drew you in? Let's take a quick message break and hear from the folks that helped make this show possible. That is plenty of that for now. Let's get back into the episode. Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. It all goes down also to, to the theory, like you just find something and it's about like doing it enough time, much time, and then you get passion for it as well, you know? And it could be as well. It's really hard to, to say, I don't know for sure. It's hard it's hard for me to choose anything. Yeah. Cause I talk to so many people like you who are doing so many cool things like, oh, now I want to do that. <laughs> it's hard to pick one. So I was just curious. But uh it sounds like once you start, it, it's it's almost addicting. It's like that yeah. it, the the escape from the world I can imagine is just an amazing experience. Yeah, exactly. And also what I would like to say, Mason, is that when you finally find something that you're good at, you know, when you're better than you used to be, you know, like I said, I used to play soccer when I was younger, when I was always like this, like mediocre, I was never excelling, I was not the best in the soccer team or whatever, but now I, I found something which I was actually quite good at, which I felt that I was exceeding in, and that also gave me some kind of purpose, you know, during the same period of my life when, you know, when you're solo traveling around the world, it all sounds very <laughs> cool and adventurous, but sometimes it can also be lonely and then, and sad times. And, you know, I found freediving there and I thought, you know, finally I had something that I could do and I could, could also have an aim for something could aim to be better at this. And I was seeing that I got better and better with time, you know, like it's, freediving is also a thing that you do, you, you, you get quite good with a short, pretty short period of time. And 
I think that's also what I liked about it. And uh, I think it also helps to be totally frank with you that it's, a, it's such a few amount of people maybe in the world that do freediving. So when you go into a freediving competition, <laughs> it's not really hard to get on the podium. So you... <laughs> <laughs> it's the same people uh, each time. Uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's too funny. Well, I, I did some research on freediving and what it is and, and some common mistakes and whatnot. But take us through maybe some of your initial fears with it. What was something you feared that either turned out to not be true and something that you didn't even think about at first, but then became a fear? And I want to ask, how did you feel about the ocean at this point? A lot of people are very scared of just the depths of the ocean. Was that one you had to overcome or were you comfortable there? I was always quite comfortable in the ocean. I grew up, you know, in a family where we spent a lot of time in the ocean where my father used to have a sailboat when I was younger and grew up around, you know, spending the summers at least uh, on the surface. And um, so I think therefore I had this kind of like familiarity with the ocean. And um, when it comes to the depths, I actually, at some periods of my freediving career, also grew a greater respect of the ocean. And not too long ago, a freediving friend of mine passed away during a freedive. And um, that also reminds me of that we have, we need to have a great respect of this immense force. Mm-hmm. that's very visiting you know the, the ocean is just such a great force and it can tumble you and it can kill you in an instance if you're not careful mm-hmm. so I with time I grew greater and greater amount of respect for the ocean in the sense of like how I get into like my own performance and I would say probably my first year of freediving, I was kind of what you would call crazy, and you know what I would do in the in the competitions. You know, in the in, the, in my first year of freediving, I actually uh, I blacked out in my first competition. You know, blacking out is when you faint, and uh, it happens because you have a, low levels of oxygen, and. Um, so you have you get into a hypoxia state, and then the brain shuts down and you you, you faint. And um, this happened in my first competition. Never happened after that, and that just shows that I wasn't as careful as I should have been in the beginning. And um, I was just pushing the numbers, I guess, in the beginning uh, too much. But when it comes to as well. The fear, and I've I felt the fear sometimes when I'm at the depths. I can remember quite vividly when I was yeah I was in the Philippines. I was training for a competition. I was doing a training dive to seventy five meters, and I go down and I halfway down there I could feel that the current is picking up. Mm-hmm. So the current is kind of like because we're drive, diving with a with a rope, which is kind of showing us the way down, and 
the current was picking up. But I knew that I, this was my last training line before the competition, so I had to get down there. So I was kind of like pushing it down. And I could feel that the pressure was increasing and I was tensing up. And the one thing you cannot do when you're freediving is to tense the muscles. So you have a lot of muscles around the lungs, and if you tense those, you can injure your, your lungs. Mm. And at 75 meters, I start to feel the urge to breathe. And I think most of your listeners have tried to hold their breath once in their life at least. And you know how it, how it feels to have the urge to breathe after you've been holding your breath for a while. So I got this urge to breathe down there at 75 meters. And this just increased the amount of anxiety that I felt down there. And I had this thought, okay, now I'm down there. I'm 75 meters below the surface and I had to get up quickly. I was just trying to rush up to the surface. And, uh, and there when I arrived up to the surface, I started to just cough up blood mm. from my mouth. And there I realized that I had injured my lungs, and this is what we call a lung squeeze, which is one of the most dangerous things you can account, you know, that you can have when you free dive. So you get scar tissues in the lungs, and this is making the blood come up to the mouth. So that was a really scary incident. And uh, I think all of these kind of things led me to be the, the careful freediver that I am right now. Now I'm not taking these risks. And uh, I know what, you know, we usually, we love to say in freediving, you know, when we're teaching courses, because we love, we like as many as possible to come and do courses, of course. So we're saying this is the safest extreme sport in the world because there's only one fatality during the entire history that freediving has been a competitive sport. But what we don't say is how many people die of training. You know, like, in, like with all extreme sports, there's a lot of fatalities when it comes to training and just doing it recreationally, as you know. The same is for climbing. Of course, there's not a lot of people die, dying when you compete in climbing because you have all these safety precautions. But when it comes to training, a lot of people go by themselves and careless and so on. You know, throughout my time there, I've been competitive freediver here around once a year that a freediver dies. You know, and it is for many reasons, but I think it's, if you follow all the different regulations that we do when we do competition freediving, you know, we have safety divers that meet you at 50 meters sometimes. No, they come up with you, they swim up with you to the surface. We have a diving line which you're attached to with a lanyard. So you're always attached to the, to the line. And if you would faint down there at, say, 100 meters, the people at the surface, they have a system so they will be able to bring you up. So they will be able to bring you up really fast. And... Uh, we have like five free safety divers that are really good uh, free divers as well. And they know all the procedure, how to, to wake you up from a blackout. So therefore, there's not people dying in competition, but it's a different story when it comes to 
to training. And I think that has to be said, you know, freediving is a wonderful activity in sport, but you, have, you need to have respect for it. And, you know, if listeners would like to go out freediving in the in the pool or in the, in the ocean or in the lake, there's a number one rule for freediving is to never freedive alone and always freedive with a trained safety. Someone who has done a freediving course. You know, otherwise it's 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 deadly. It's it's really dangerous. You know, and it's a lot of people just trying it by themselves. And you know, if you faint, that's it. But if you have someone who knows how to react, if someone blacks out, and I can take it briefly. You know, it's 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 quite simple. You we call it blow tap talk. You take the person to the surface, and if you tap, you take off the mask. Then you tap on the cheeks and then you blow around the cheeks. And thereafter, you say the person's name. And then the person wakes up. So, it's these three things that you have to remember if you see someone blacking out in the water. It's about that you have to remind the body that it's over the surface, that it's, that it's safe to breathe again, because it's a kind of like a self defense mechanism happens when a person faints under the water because we still have a lot of uh, oxygen in the system but uh, the body has to be very reminded to breathe so of course all of this has led to some kind of fear you know knowing that it's dangerous and knowing what can happen but with the amount of respect that i have for the ocean now it's still so that while I'm do- going down there and I'm free falling down to say eight to five meters, I'm not thinking about the fear. I'm only thinking about the present moment. And uh, it goes for most of the extreme sports that to be able to perform in an extreme sport and in this kind of extreme environment, you have to be able to forget about the fear and to tap into the flow state. And uh, if you're not in a flow state when you're freediving, it's impossible to, to break records or to dive as deep as, as you possibly can. You have to be able to tap into the flow state. And the, the interesting part there when I started to experiencing the flow state is that doing a record dive when in a flow state is not hard. You know, it's... It feels kind of playful, and um, you're not struggling doing it. It is flowing, you know, like everything's flowing, and you come up there and you've been enjoying the dive, and that's when you know that you've been in a flow state, and that has helped me with the fear as well, like being able to tap into that and knowing about all these triggers in the in the flow and and uh, to feel safe, and that's the safest way to do a sport like this, to train up the technique and being able to perfect the technique so that when you go to perform, that you can go into this flow state and then do it as easy as you can. And I think that has been my most important thing for me when it comes to dealing with the fear, just uh, being able to going to this very interesting state of mind. But to be able to do that, you have to 
to practice a lot before you have to perfect your technique. So when you go down there, you don't have to think about how you feel correctly or and so on and so forth. What does training out of the water look like? What do you what what do you do when you're not able to get to water? I know I've seen you laying on table and doing breathing practices. What does it mostly consist of? Yeah, because I I was in Sweden for half of the year when I was competing the most. Therefore, every time when I woke up, I was holding my breath for quite a while, you know, every morning. So if anyone wants to try to hold their breath, the best thing to do it is in the morning, before breakfast, and before coffee, because food and digestion takes up a lot of oxygen, and coffee is raising the heart rate. So what I did then was to, every morning when I woke up, I was holding my breath in the sessions for like during a one hour. I was doing that um, before because I didn't like the pool. I wasn't training that much in the pool. Although I was living in the fifth floor at that time. So every time when I was arriving home, I was walking up the, the five staircases on a breath hold. Oh, wow. <laughs> so every, every time when I arrived home, I had this as... As a goal, I would never take the elevator and I will never walk up the stairs breathing. Every time I want to walk up to the apartment, I was always holding my breath. And, uh, and people would people would say, hey, how are you doing? And you just... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Give them the thumbs oh, you up. Know, like, <laughs> look like I'm passing out all the time. First, you know, I think when it comes to... That's also part of the training you know being able to just train really really hard so then when you go out to, perf- to perform at a competition it's easier you know you train really hard so then when you go go to a competition place it feels easier and i think for me what also really was a big thing with with training was to build up carbon dioxide tolerance so a lot of people don't know about this, but the reason why we feel like we have to breathe when we hold our breath has nothing to do with oxygen, but it has everything to do with carbon dioxide. So when we breathe, when we're sitting like this and we breathe, there's a lot of we're breathing gases. And there's gases in our body that is accumulating as well. So when we hold our breath, the carbon dioxide is increasing if we don't exhale. And when we feel this urge to breathe and we feel like, okay, now I feel out of breath, we still have like 98 or 100% of oxygen saturation in our body, but our carbon dioxide is just increasing. So that's the number one thing a freediver has to start with, like increasing the CO2 tolerance. And that is also very applicable to different sports as well. So like if you have a really great carbon carbon dioxide tolerance, you also don't get out of breath doing other sports like running or biking and so on. So like being able to train this is really great. And the way to do this is just to, like one thing is to, like if you bike, like breathe through your nose as much as possible, even though you feel the air hunger. You know, is it? You feel like, okay, I have to breathe through my mouth. Then close your mouth and breathe through your nose. And 
building up the CO2 awareness as well. Feel like, okay, now I have a bit of air hunger, but it's nothing negative because actually what it does when you have higher levels of carbon dioxide is that you're actually getting more oxygen to the cells. Because if we would sit here and just hyperventilate for five minutes, we would probably pass out. And that's because we don't get oxygen to our brain because the oxygen is just clinging on, on to the hemoglobin. But the opposite thing happens if we underbreathe. So if we underbreathe and we have a little bit of air hunger, we get even more oxygen to our cells and to our brain. You probably know it's good to breathe through your nose and to, to not have, be a mouth breather. But it's also beneficial when you do sports to breathe with your nose as much as possible. Of course, when you're sprinting, it's impossible. But when you do long distance running and so on, it's a good idea to breathe through your nose as much as possible. Also because you warm up the air and there's a lot of different uh, other reasons to do it, which I, I think that if you do that, you will be able to perform better and as well being able to get this onset of urge to breathe later and this air hunger later. So that was a big, big part of my training as well. Like, I, I used to go running as well a lot. So when I run, I always breathe through my nose, even though I feel, I feel like it's hard. No, it's, a, it's a really great way to, to just get more oxygen to your body. You know, I know, I know with the competitions, you're, there's literally a rope hanging down. If I'm sure a lot of people have seen that, that kind of set up before and you, you go down the rope and you're like, you said you're attached and go up and it's always just some body of water where it's just blue. As far as you can see, it's not like that. The water is beautiful, of course, but not, not no features or anything to look at. It, it's all about focus on, on the, you know, getting the record or going as far as you can. What is one of the coolest things you've ever seen free diving or one of the most interesting experiences with either marine life or just scenery? Just tell us about some of the things that get opened up to you because of free diving. What really pops up in my mind when you hear this question is before I flew back to Sweden last time, I was in the Philippines. This was two years ago. And I was there during the pandemic. And we were not allowed to go into the water for some reason <laughs> because they had all these restrictions. So right. all the lo- so the locals, of course, they were allowed to, to go into the water to, to spearfish and to hunt and all that. I respect that. But no Westerners. Mm. Mm. And you were allowed to go in the water. The Coast Guard were patrolling the area. I was living on a small island called Panglao in the Philippines. Coast Guard used to patrol there and this shout from this microphone and um, or this megaphone to say like no white people are allowed in the water. And uh, we were there for rest. I was stuck there for six months during the pandemic. There was no way to travel anywhere because we were on a small island. So we were like, okay, we have to find a way to go free diving. So me and my friend, we decided, okay, we will go out hidden by the darkness 
at midnight, when it's full moon, you can still see quite well. You know, you you, you still have this ability down to 10 or 15 meters under the water. So we decided we put on the wetsuits at midnight, and then we go out when there's no coast guard patrolling the area. So we went out, we swam out, we put out the buoy down to 60 meters depth. And uh, it was really calm, you know, it was full moon and uh, it just lit up the sea. Every time you moved under the water, it was uh, the, plank, the plankton on the water shining up. And they just, they were just shining like stars every time you moved around on the water. And then I remember this time because to be able to free dive, you have to first be on the surface for a while to meditate, to just concentrate on your breathing and to calm down. And it was just this silence that you usually never experience. You know, usually we hear boats and so on when you're mm. breathing up on for a dive. And then I started going down. After 15 meters, I feel like the free fall is coming and I stop moving my body and I start sinking down. And, you know, I have my eyes open. I usually have my eyes closed when I free dive, but I wanted to see the bioluminescence flashing mm-hmm. through my eyes and they were just sparkling up in front of my eyes. And uh, the deeper I, I went, uh, the more they were coming. And at the bottom of the, the line, we have this bottom weight. So I reached the bottom there, 60 meters, and it's just this complete darkness down there. You know, no light was, was getting there. And I remember I was sitting on the bottom weight, and I was kind of like swinging under, under the water there, and I was hanging under, under the water at 60 meters for I think it was around a minute just looking around and I had this feeling that I was in the outer space. You know, every time I was moving my hand, I saw this bioluminescence like sparkling around me. And I never felt the urge to breathe throughout this entire dive, which is also quite interesting. And uh, from being now, I felt like I didn't want to go up. I just wanted to stay down there, but I decided, of course, you know, like <laughs> there's more things to experience, you know, like there's more things up there as well. So I, I started going up as well, and it was just a very beautiful experience and uh, like a very mind-altering experience. Now we have... Um, we have this thing that we usually say with freediving, you know, like people ask the question, what's the difference between scuba diving and freediving? And we have this silly quote saying like, scuba divers, they dive to look around and freedivers go, they go within, dive to look within. And, uh, and there I really felt that it was a very powerful experience, you know, like it was, something about that experience that changed something in me as well. And uh, I just came up and I, you know, this dive was probably around four, it was probably four minutes. 
this entire dive. Never had the urge to breathe throughout the whole dive. And then I, yeah, this is something that I always bring with me and that I always will think back at. And it always reminds me of that we're, we're so much water, you know, human body. And I told you that one of the most fascinating things that I found with freediving was that to explore the free fall and to be able to dive deeper and experience the deeper sense of uh, relaxation in the free fall. But it's also to get back to the origin in a sense, you know, to get back to the nature and to be as close as nature to nature as possible. There is a thing that every human body has inbuilt. And this is something we call the mammalian dive response. This happens to every person. As, as soon as we put our face in the water, our heart rate slows down. You've probably seen in the movies that people f put water on their faces before they go into an important meeting mm -hmm. to calm down. And this is actually something that happens in our body. That's as soon as we put our face in the water, we put cold water on our face, our heart rate slows down. We have sensors around our face and our, our mouth that is detecting this water. And that's the first thing that happens. That's the, the first mammalian dive response. Heart rate slows down, called bradycardia. And the second thing that goes when we experience pressure is that our blood gets redistributed from gets redirected from our arms and from our legs to the core to protect our lungs. This is exactly what happens to seals and dolphins and other mammalian animals and mammalian creatures that spend all their time in the water. They have it to a greater extent, but we, humans still have it. People don't yet don't understand why humans have it but everyone has it. And this experience that I had when I was going down there and I was, I was able to hold my breath for four minutes down there at 60 meters, you know, I was, I felt like I was, you know, I was, I was belonging to the ocean, you know. I'm, I'm not a primate that should be up walking on the, on the ground. I should, I'm also a sea creature at that point. And we can train our bodies to, to get very, very comfortable down there and to be comfortable in the water. And everyone has this inbuilt in them. It happens to everyone. And that's, I think that's, that experience really reminded me of that and I found that so fascinating. And, uh, and this is what I love to tell my students when I, I was just doing today, earlier today, I was doing the, the freediving course. I was, I'm teaching the freediver, freediving course usually, and this is one of the things that I'd love to tell them because I'm really passionate about this to remind people that we really have this inbuilt response in, our, in us, you know, to take us back to the nature. Like we're, we're supposed to be in the, in the water and be close to the nature as possible. And people feel good about being close to nature, we don't have to dive to 80 meters or 100 meters. Just looking at the body of sea, body of ocean, calms the mind. It's something called the blue mind that people have been studying for a while now, which shows that when we're look, just looking at the ocean, 
houses, you know, brings down our heart rates. And it happens to everyone. And that's a really powerful therapy method as well. So when you feel stressed or when you feel anxious, just go to a body of water and just like be able to just look at the water. And of course, spend time in the water is also super helpful. I live near the ocean and I can attest that it's all of us go there to relax or to uh, calm down or whether it be a stressful day or just a time to, to just relax. Yeah, you're right. It, it, we do that. Just everyone does it naturally, but I, I imagine the effects even more so down in the water for prolonged periods of time. Well, how do you suggest folks maybe get into this? Obviously, it, it really took off quickly for you. Within two years, you were starting to do records and, and go and compete uh, in, in winning competitions and whatnot. What do you suggest folks start with and how should they start? So number one, find a freediving instructor in your area. So that can just be a easy Google search, uh, freediving school, and then the area you live in. And just find someone who can teach you. It's very easy to go on YouTube and social media and just find tips and tricks on how to hold your breath for longer. But to be able to do it in a safe manner, number one thing, find good instructor, good freediving school, and go from there. And what I did, which I found most helpful, is to also to, to train carbon dioxide tolerance. So to train yourself to be able to cope with the urge to breathe, with this uncomfortable feeling, and to be comfortable with the uncomfortable. And that was a big thing for me just to lay in my bed, like it's, it's completely safe just to, to hold your breath in the bed as long as you're not close to the water, but to hold your breath there. So just doing this kind of breath holds is really important. And then if you want to continue to another level, it's really helpful to be in a place where you can also dive deep. And that's the reason why there's so few people that actually go into that the competition competitions and to go to competition competitions because you have to be in an area where which is like really warm where the water is pleasant no current and deep and there you have to live for six months of the time and for most people that's not really possible mm. you know but it's uh, something that you have to devote your life to if you want to be good at something and it goes for everything, you know, to devote your life to it. And freediving is something like for everyone who's listening. You, everyone can be really good at it. Like, it's very few sports like this. I used to think of this, you know, this kind of sports, you know, like we have golf, which you could probably, I had a grandfather who became pro when he was 60. Wow. Started when he was 50. So golf is one of the things where you can become really, really good late in life. And uh, we have dart as well. You probably can become very, very good at dart late in life. <laughs> Freediving is also one of these things where you can start super late in life and just explore and see what happens and just go from there and just enjoy the moment of the process when you're freediving. And, you know, some freediving competitions I've been to, there's been people 70 years old 
spill diving to eight meters. And that's incredible to see. It just shows that the human body is capable to so much more than we think. And this is also something that freediving reminds you of. You think that, okay, I cannot dive deeper than 20 meters. I mean, let alone 10 meters. And um, you see that you're breaking these boundaries all the time. If you can do it free di with freediving, I think you can do it with other things as well. And it just gives you an important message as well in life that the, the mind puts boundaries on things mm -hmm. that you can easily break. Like there's, you have this inner voice telling you, okay, I cannot do this. I can never run that far. And then you do it and you, you realize that this voice in your head was just talking shit. It was nothing true about this. And it's very, very evident in a sport like freediving where you hear this voice all the time telling you, oh gosh, I cannot dive just that meters. And you dive just that one meters. Just telling you this all the, all the time. And then after a while, you just stop listening to it. And that's a great relief, you know, with a, a lot of sports. It's the same thing. You just have to stop listening to this doubting part of your mind. And that can also change a big part of your life in other respects. Speaking of that, what, what, what are some of the biggest benefits freediving has provided your life outside of the water? So the main thing is stress level i would say you know like i remember after the first year from when i started freediving i was in bangkok airport and my flight was delayed meaning that my next flight that i would take would probably not i would probably not be able to take that and so on i was standing there in line and you know before i started freediving i would probably be quite stressed and be like be quite annoyed at this situation. I mean, to buy more, you know, another flight ticket. But this time I was kind of okay with it. I was like, well, this is nothing. Like, if you're able to deal with the stress in the environment of 85 meters depth, holding your breath, the other things in life doesn't feel as stressful. So you're kind of building up this stress free mind in a sense, you're building up a resilience in your mind, I would say. Being able to go through different, like hard trainings in freediving as well, makes other things feel easier in life comparatively to when you were freediving and you were struggling during a freedive and so on. And then the other things feels really easy. So that has been a major thing just feeling that the stress level has been going down a lot. And um, that has been one thing. But uh, like I also mentioned before, being able to push the boundaries and see that you're capable of much more than you think, that there's no good reason to trust this inner voice that you have in your mind. And to be more mindful of that. Uh, I was never into like mindfulness before I started freediving, but when you freedive, it's you. It's all meditation, you know. Like it's all about just being here and now. And if you're down there at 80 meters and you start thinking about the surface, that's 
it's really dangerous. You know, you start getting stressed and that can bit and you have to be completely present in the moment when you free dive. So that has been another thing. I've been more in the here and now since I started freediving and then more conscious of my own thoughts in my own brain. So there's been these kind of th things that has really benefited me. Like I said before, freediving is 90% mental and 10% physical. And um, so for the physical aspects, it's also healthy, you know, like when I go out running, I don't feel urge to breathe. I don't feel out of breath, I would say, as fast. So I can continue running for longer distances without feeling the urge to breathe and um, or feeling the air hunger. So that has been another really big factor that has helped me. It's fantastic. Awesome. Well, was there was there any uh, closing thoughts you wanted to share before we wrap this up? And where where can folks find more if they want to learn more about what you're doing and and how to free dive? Yeah, so I have my website alexanderfreediver.com, and uh, I have my Instagram alexanderfreediver Facebook page where I'm not as active, but I have that as well alexanderfreediver there as well. So if anyone anyone wants to get in touch. Or if they're if they want to freediving course, feel free to just contact me or or anyhow. Like if you just want to have tips around freediving or whatever, you feel like just get in touch and message me, and I'll be make sure to answer. Awesome. Well, Alexander, thank you for joining us at Adventure Sports Podcast, and uh, yeah, keep diving, stay safe. First of all. Thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun. <laughs>